of going long. Hey, can you guys get us on the uh, recording start part? Thank you. Good morning. It's Thank so you. nice to be together this morning. And we are going to talk about fasting. Should we pray first? I think we better start with prayer. Yeah. So, Lord, uh, we just ask that you'd be with us, that you'd be present, that you would speak through us and to us. God, help us to hear your words and to respond like we have ears, um, to have ears and to hear. That's what we want. And so we ask for your help in that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, Josh, what is fasting? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, that that may seem like a basic question to some people, but I actually think it's a really good place to start because what we're talking about is deeply countercultural to American Christianity. Like, I know so many people who have, like, never fasted. They've been Christians for 5, 10, 15 years, decades, right, and just never Never done this, which is really kind of weird when you take a historical view of the church because for the first 300 years or so of Christianity, uh, Christians would fast every Wednesday and every Friday. That was like a really common practice. It was just like a given. Like if you're a Christian, this is something that you do, that you would go without food on, on Wednesday and Friday, like two days every week. So like intermittent fasting before it was cool. Christians were doing intermittent fasting before it was cool. Well, and I'm, I'm glad you brought up intermittent fasting because that really helps me clarify that, you know, intermittent fasting has become kind of a, a fad a little bit now. And that's cool, fine, whatever. There are health benefits to fasting. But when we're fasting in a Christian sense, we're not, we're not really dieting. That's not what we're trying to do. We're not trying to lose weight or, you know, detoxify or something like that. Uh, We're also not trying to punish ourselves or do some kind of weird penance uh, or something like that. Uh, We're definitely also not like earning brownie points to heaven. This isn't like earning our salvation or something like that. Uh, There's a lot of Protestant misunderstandings of what fasting is. Like Protestantism kind of started over controversies about indulgences uh, purchased for Lenten fasts. And if you don't understand what any of that means, it doesn't matter. It's fine. Uh, but there are a lot of misunderstandings that Protestants bring to this idea of fasting. We're also not doing, like, magic or Gnosticism, right? We're not, like, forcing God to do something. It's not like if you fast, then God has to answer your prayer. That's not how this works, and we're not, we're not trying to do that. that. That's not how anything works. Uh, you know, I think it's another thing, you know, to, to bring up, just for the few of us who have fasted or who have been in communities who have fasted, we're also not lying about fasting to, in order to be obedient. This might have been news to me this right? week. <laughs> yeah, so, like, you might be familiar that Jesus says when you fast. He, you know, he says when you pray, and we think, yeah, we should pray. But when he says when you fast, for some reason we didn't, we didn't take that as seriously uh, as, as Protestants in the West, and maybe just American Protestants are, are the problem, I don't know. But he says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces and show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, get cleaned up, right, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And uh, I have definitely lied about fasting. Yeah. <laughs> I, felt, I thought I was supposed to. <laughs> right? Like, I felt this weird thing that happens in Christian culture because, like, we all know these verses and we all know we're not supposed to, like, tell anybody that we're fasting. And I think we can get, like, really anxious about it and it can get kind of weird. Right? Josh, Josh pointed out to me earlier this week that the Bible also says to, like, pray in secret. 
but I have never lied about praying. And also we like do pray together and for each other. And somehow I had never connected the dots between those two things. I really was raised in an environment of like fasting is top secret. Like you can't tell anyone or you have to kill them. Kind of <laughs> I can let which you like, know I was fasting. Like another sin, but I would you know? have to kill you. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's weird. Isn't that weird? That's kind of weird. So uh, we just want to take a more relaxed approach, and if somebody catches you fasting, well, they caught you fasting. Oh, well. You know, like, you're not doing it for the attention of other people, but, like, if someone asks you, hey, why didn't you eat lunch, it's okay to let them know you're fasting, all right? That's that's all right. Yeah, we okay? just want to stay lie. away from, I think, like, competitive fasting. Right, yeah. No competition. No competition in Don't fasting. Don't challenge your friend Don't to fast. Don't get weird about it. Just chill out. Okay, so speaking of weird things, um, yeah. why is it called fasting? Like, when I fast, I feel slow. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, I don't usually feel... Zippy. Like when my brain is slow. Yeah, my right? body is slow. Like I'm hungry. Time I'm goes by really, really slowly. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a wonderful connection to make. Uh, so, well, we fast to. Uh, I, for, I forgot to say we fast to to focus and intensify prayer. That's okay. Well, let's just let's just go. We can sl- we can swing back to this side. So the word fast comes from some old English word that has some letter I don't know how to pronounce in it, but it it basically means like firmly fixed. And so maybe you can kind of pick up the idea of, like, the idea of steadfast, right? You know what steadfast means. It's like it's secure, right? Or hold fast the rigging. You might have heard a pirate say in some movie you were watching, right? Like, fasten, hoist the mainstay, fasten. Like, when we fasten something, we're actually making it stick together. We're, like, binding something together, right? And so when we think of this idea as a fast unto the Lord... Really what we're doing, the idea of what we're doing with fasting is we're, we're trying to connect to God. And so the point of fasting really is to say that the one that we fast to, or the one we fasten to, is more important than what we fast from. So there are all kinds of ways to practice fasting, but the one that we fast to is the focus of fasting and the reason that we do that, and not what we fast from. And so from a Christian standpoint, I'll just back up that slide a minute. You know, the reason we fast is to really to focus and intensify prayer. So like when I'm hungry, I'm aware of that, right? Uh, I think you you had some analogy about alarms on phones or something. Oh, (laughs) I forgot. Um, Yeah, our... uh so it's like before we had an iPhone, how do you set an alarm to remind yourself about things? Right. And when I miss a meal, my stomach does send off signals. Right. Like something is wrong. Woo! Yeah, yeah right. You, you're going to be aware of it. You're not going to forget that you're fasting because your body is going to remind you, hey, you're hungry right now. You, you, you want to get some food in your belly. And so when you feel that sensation, it's a call to prayer. It's, it's called to remind yourself to pray and to be focused in prayer. And then there are some practical applications too, yeah, like practical sure. benefits. Yeah, like, uh, you know, one way that fasting has been practiced historically in the church is it is a way to redistribute resources. So to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not spend money on this. I'm not going to spend money on food so I have money to give. Or I'm going to eat less so that I have more to share with my community. It's, it's, a, way to, it's a way to practice sacrificial giving. Uh, I'm going to go without this thing that is good, that's not wrong for me to enjoy, but I'm going to say I'm going to have less Starbucks, I'm going to go out to eat less, and I'm going to take that money and give it to Ukrainian refugee relief, or I'm going to give that to housing homeless people in Springfield, 
or yeah. something like that. It also helps us have solidarity with the poor. Yeah, I was going to speak to that point. Just yeah. I was watching a, a YouTube there. video. No, I of uh, <laughs> I was watching a YouTube video of people who were intermittent fasting, and they were talking about how as a family, like they just became so much more conscious of who might be hungry, not because they wanted to refresh their bodies or, you know, these people were doing this like a health thing, but they said, you know, like people who are hungry because they don't have anything or they're hungry for days or weeks or as a way of life. Um, or imagine if your children were hungry and you had nothing to give them. And they said it just really, it did slow them down, I think, in terms of just being so much more conscious of others. I might be getting ahead of us. Oh, here. that's okay. That's okay. Should we read the scripture? We should probably read right. the scripture. You want to read it? Yeah. All so right, this I'll is Isaiah 58. All right. That was not read aloud at our wedding, but I wanted it she, to be. She did. I, to my shame, I was like 1 Corinthians 13. So now everyone can publicly know yeah. that I was that I was really intense right. when I was 21 <laughs> and thought this I mean, was a good very, marriage it's not passage. Really very wedding first, in my defense, but <laughs> I'm going to lose that argument again. I'm not going to you know, shout it aloud. <laughs> Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion to the descendants of Jacob and their sins. For the day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet, on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and lie, for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is this what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen, to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, Here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness, and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will rise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets and dwellings. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath, 
from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. From the mouth of the Lord has spoken. That's a good one. That's a good one. Maybe we should have had that. <laughs> well, so um, how so? How do we break the yoke of oppression? Yeah, that's a big. You know, I was thinking I might just do it this afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> like I thought I might just like just, take ten minutes. Yeah, you know, just like get knock that it done. out real quick. Yeah. You know, <laughs> right in between, you know, naps or whatever I had planned for my Sunday afternoon. You know, yeah. Take the kids home, feed them lunch, break the yoke of oppression, mow the lawn, you know. It's, it's, it's like a thing that you can just knock out real quick, right? So, for yeah. real. Yeah, for if real. You, if you would say, if, yeah. you, if you were talking to a person who might say, I don't know that I have ever done anything to break the yoke of oppression, where can we start? Yeah, starting, I think, is maybe the most important thing. Or maybe starting and continuing to start and starting over and over again. I think that maybe that's like, Maybe what the whole thing is, because uh, this isn't something that we do on our own. This is something that God does, and we have to we have to get outside of ourselves. Is really the thing we have to think about other people. Like we have to really consider what other people are going through. And fasting is a great way to practice solidarity with people who are suffering. It's a little bit of safe suffering that we practice as a way to get in touch with the need of others and our own need in many ways, right? We find our limits and we it's it's a way to practice limiting ourselves and to practice getting less than what we want. Because here's the thing, if we're going to really stand up to the power structures of this present evil age, if we're really going to work for justice in the world, then we're not going to get everything that we want. We're going to get less sex than we want. We're going to have less money than we want. We're probably going to not have all the delicious meals that we want to enjoy. Fewer birthday cakes. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) Like we might not be as entertained as we want to be if we're really going to stand up to injustice, if we're really going to break the yoke of oppression, then there will be times when it is uncomfortable. And so we want to prepare ourselves for that, and we want to practice being ready to do whatever it takes to do the will of God. So now the passage talks about Sabbath too. What does Sabbath have to do with all of this? Well, you know, I kind of think Sabbath kind of goes hand in hand with fasting, especially if you think of Sabbath as, as, as sort of like a fast from work, right? You could think of it that way. I love that. Like this idea of fasting is actually, it actually has a lot of connections and it's deeply countercultural and so we missed a lot of time, but it, you know, Sabbath is really, what it's about, I think, is it's a, it's a recognition of our limits. It's a recognition that we're not the creator and sustainer of the universe. And so, you know, we can work ourselves to death, and many people have in the history of the human race. Uh, and the world will just keep on spinning, right? Like, I mean, you know, it's just, it's just not us <laughs> that is creating and sustaining the universe. Like, that's God's job. And so here's, I really like how Pete Scazzaro says it. He says that uh, God wants to give you a snow day every week. 
In fact, God wants to give you seven, more than seven weeks of snow days in a year. God wants to give you 52 days where you don't do anything and you have no responsibilities, where you really just rest and trust that God is going to take care of you. I feel like my view of God just, like, it shifts with that. Like, God suddenly just got, like, nicer even. Right. And, like, cooler. Like, what a relief. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The giver of snow days. Yes. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Thank you. There's so much much rejoicing has happened in our school year this year, right? No, I think, like, uh, but that's what it's about. I mean, the Sabbath is, is supposed to serve people, not the other way around. Right? Like, we do this stuff. We do fasting. We do Sabbath in order to recognize that God is God. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we'll, that idea that we're going to have less than what we want, I feel like that's kind of like a good news, bad news, you know? Like it initially sounds like bad news. Everyone who wants to make money off of us, every company that wants us to spend money with them would say, oh, no, less than what you want. That's awful. Here, give me a dollar and I'll fix it. Or give me $100 or $1,000 or whatever. Buy this Pepsi, buy this yacht, buy this house, whatever, whatever, you know? But I think that there is some good news. Sometimes it's good for me to get less than what I want because I find out things about myself. Like I find strength on the inside. I think, um, not that everybody has to be a mother, but motherhood really did that to me. I get a lot less sleep than I want as a mom. And I found out that I could, you know, I found out that like, there was like a little, like, I'm a little tougher than I, than I thought that I was before I had to give and give and give to another super adorable little person. And so I think that limits can really lead to generosity because when we discover that strength in ourselves, well, I think we can be then empowered to share our strength with others in ways that maybe we would have held back before because we didn't know if there was going to be enough left over for us. Yeah. And Sabbath and fasting both kind of bring our limits very front and center, right? Like when we, in order to trust that God will take care of me, I have to recognize that I'm not saving myself, right? And, and, and when I fast, I'm really in touch with my own needs. I'm very aware of how fragile I am. Like, just going without food for a few days makes me a cranky baby. And I, you know, maybe that, maybe that can make me a little nicer to the grumpy homeless person that I run into if I have a little understanding of what they might be experiencing, you know. Uh, it also help, hopefully helps us to, uh, you know, be less focused on ourselves if we, can, if we can lean into that compassion and really embrace that, like, it's not all up to me, and I also, um, I also am really in touch with how limited I am and how limited other people are. I can be a lot more compassionate. I can be a lot more understanding. Yeah. All right. Um, so let's talk about um, some types of fasting. Yeah. We've got this slide up here. We're not going to go through every one of these passages, but we will put this up on our Facebook page later. So if you want to look up these passages as you're considering, um, we're always, I think, really intentional about talking about fasting before Ash Wednesday starts. So you have until Wednesday. Because <laughs> um, I always would get so super annoyed when like Ash Wednesday would happen, and then the next Sunday I'd hear about fasting and be like, darn it, I wanted to have a perfect Lenten season where I did it every single day. So if that, if you're feeling that, um, you can check this out. Yeah. There's lots of different kinds. Um, we want to touch briefly on personal fasting. Um, and this can look like, 
I mean, this can look like so many things. Fasting from food, I think, is an obvious one. But even fasting from certain types of food, sweets or alcohol, you know, something that you enjoy or that's a treat, going without those treats, I think could be something um, is definitely a part of fasting. Um, and I should, I, I, we didn't plan on this, but I feel like I should say, you know, during Lent, it's 40 days minus the Sundays. So you can eat the treats on Sunday because we can't fast on the day that the Lord came every Sunday alive. Is celebration every day. Sunday is a celebration. We're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus every Sunday. So I also didn't grow up knowing that. You get a break from your Lenten <laughs> fast on Sundays. Unless you want to unless you want to fast for forty six days. Yeah. You know, that's fine. And then there's a lot of other kinds of fasting too, just in terms of television or entertainment, anything that's distracting to us or that pulls us away from God or, you know, that kind of like adds to the noise or the clutter in our minds. Um, And then this last one on here, coping mechanisms. I want to talk about this a little bit because sometimes fasting, we can fast from a thing that is not good for us that we're doing. So food's good for you. TV's, you know, fine, whatever. But like, like, Sometimes we have like a vice or a pattern of sin or a problem in our life and a period of time when our church is all fasting and it's like the Lenten season, we can take some time to really work on those or really allow God to work on us um, when it comes to areas of sin. So if you've got a coping mechanism, like this is a great time to quit smoking. This is a great time to, um, you know, like kick those bad habits or even those like sinful patterns of behavior that you might find really problematic. Um, and it's important for us to talk about this because um, we've got also a plan for a corporate fast. Yeah. Let's well, not go to the next slide. Let's well, just talk about it. And I think, you've, I think you've really got a word for us here, Hannah. Like, I, yeah. I think you've heard from God. So for a corporate fast um, for this season, we want to do something that's really very different than something we've, I don't think we've ever done anything like this before. And I kind of want to tell you the story about what I think God has said to me um, Back in October, we went to the National Vineyard Conference. Let me give a quick commercial for National Vineyard Conferences, okay? Um, They have them every two years. I strongly recommend you mark your calendar for 2022 um, because they're... The last one was in 2021, so 2023 would be two years after 2021. That's exactly right. It's good that we're paired up here. Math teacher, you know. <laughs> well done adding to. Um, but the conferences, they're not exclusive. Um, it's mostly vineyard pastors and vineyard leaders, but anybody can come. Um, and uh, because a lot of pastors and leaders make a point of going and they, you know, take, they have that flexibility or they take that time to go. When you get there, it's like, um, it's like heaven. It's like being like you're around like thousands of people who really are close to God. And there's so much prayer and preparation that go into these conferences. We get the best worship leaders of like all the vineyard churches across the United States and like brought in from other countries. And it's such a powerful time. You go down to get prayer and like somebody who's probably like seen a bunch of people get healed, prays for you, you know, and like we've never gone to them and come away unchanged. Like they're deeply powerful. I know um, some of us are figuring out how to take some time for personal retreats. And I know a lot of time a personal retreat feels like I should go and I should be alone. Um, But, you know, I have never experienced God as powerfully when I'm by myself as I do when I'm at, like, a conference like this. They're really, really remarkable. So we went to this conference and... um, 
they also have like these breakout workshops. Um, so they'll have like keynote speakers and then like kind of like a pick the thing you're the most interested in. And so I went to hear a couple of pastors talk about um, sharing their faith and inviting people to church. And um, these two guys, one's from Miami and one's from Phoenix, they both have churches in fairly urban areas. And, you know, I, my narrative about how Christianity in, is doing in the United States um, is that it's on the decline. And I think that's statistically true. Um, churches are closing, fewer people are coming to faith, and fewer people are holding on to their faith. But these two have seen church growth in recent years, like in the past, say, 10 years, um, because they've done a lot of practical things about inviting people to church. And right there, I just want to say, like, if you just went, like, oh, on the inside, I really get you. Like, I really hear you. Um, because I do think that inviting people into the kingdom has become, sorry, um, I think it's really been corrupted in a lot of ways. Um, maybe even like as a mistake by well-meaning people or maybe by people who have kind of lost their way. But I think that there is, like, there can be, like, this salesy, smarmy, yucky underbelly to, like, I want to invite people to church because I want my church to be big. Or we want to invite people to church because we want a big pastor salary. Or we want to have a big building, and we want to feel famous. And we want our worship leaders to feel like rock stars. And um, or, or maybe even just like, I want to invite people to church because I want to be validated on Sunday. Like, I'll feel okay if there are more people choosing to go where I go on Sunday. And if that's what we're doing, then I want us to stop right now. Like, I want us to close our church and go somewhere else where we can be led in a different way. Because I want more. Like, I want us to have more than inviting people to church out of some kind of a, like, a business trick or out of a motivation that is dark. That said, I feel like the picture that I have is that Satan has taken this beautiful gift and it's just like covered it with this like yucky black stuff. And we kind of go, ooh, you know, like I don't want to touch that because it's like all covered in yucky black stuff. But I think what God is asking us to do is to push into that and to push through that and to say, I'm not going to invite people to church. I'm not going to share my faith because I'm trying to get something out of them. But I'm also not going to shy away from inviting people to church because I'm scared that they're thinking that I'm trying to get something out of them or because I was invited to church once by somebody who seemed to just be wanting to get something out of me. Like, I think we need to, I think God is calling us to lean into that and to push through that to really getting to the, the prize inside, which is that God fixes every part of our lives. Everything about God is good for every part of us. And I don't want us to hold back from that. I think that this church has this beautiful value of authenticity. I think we're really real with each other. I think we don't pretend. I think we don't put on a smile when we're feeling crabby. And I think we get vulnerable with each other and we say, I'm hurting or this is hard. And then we pray for each other. And I just, I love this community. I feel like it's so beautiful. It's so, so much like what God wants us to have. And I want us to invite more people into it. I think God wants us to invite more people into it. I have a tool <laughs> um, that we're going to, uh, we, I'm going to ask everybody to take and to have, and it maybe isn't going to feel very authentic. Um, 
the, the trouble with authenticity is sometimes I am authentically selfish. Like sometimes I am authentically self-involved or sometimes I am authentically like feeling social anxiety and I don't want to be brave. And I don't think that God wants us to embrace that authenticity. I think he wants us to authentically look at that and ask why and examine it and, and, and be changed. So here's what we've got for everybody. Um, we actually didn't put them out because I was like, I still judge like, don't put these out yet. People will see them and they will leave. <laughs> they will <laughs> she said, I want to preach about this first. We've got to talk about it first. Okay. So this is the thing. Um, these guys from Phoenix and Miami, you guys, they call it a six-pack, and they make this horrible joke that I hate, which is, we're the only church in town that'll give you a free six-pack. But it's not beers. It's just little business cards that invite a person to church. It says, you're invited, and it has our church logo, and then on the back it has our information. I don't want to call it a six-pack, but I don't know what else to call it because that's what they called it. But it's just a business so card. we're going to call it a six-pack. We're going to call it a six-pack. <laughs> so if you're like a dad and you like that dad joke, you go ahead. I don't want to overpromise beers and then under-deliver with the little card because I don't know that the person will have the vision to understand that being friends with all of us and experiencing God led by our incredible worship leaders is like way better than a beer. Like I, I think they'll figure that out, but I don't want to expect that they're going to know that. So anyway, so it's a clever little business cardy sleeve. So it'll keep all of the cards really fancy and pretty. So you don't have to hand like a crumpled coffee stain card to someone if you spilled coffee in your purse or wallet. And, um, the funny thing about when you like pick up something and you hold it out in front of somebody is it's really difficult for them not to take it. I just tricked Josh into doing that. <laughs> he doesn't know why he's holding this what card. What is this? <laughs> yeah. What happened so, to me? So, um, so here's what happened. I go to, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, don't, I don't like it either. It's I can't, kind of fun. I don't like you should it. just like, you could start doing it with random things. <laughs> you know, like, here's a shoe. Just don't hand me more stuff. To, to people, see, see what happens. I'm trying to get through this, man. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> It's so like I, a good way to practice, you know? I go like, to this conference. Rev up to the business card. I go to this conference, and these guys are talking about this stuff, and I'm just like, oh, no. And they're talking about altar calls and inviting people to baptism. And I just get up and say, my church is, like, really small, like, really small. What about, what do we do, you know? And they said, yeah, you got to invite, like, for people to get saved, for people to meet Jesus and for their lives to be transformed. Most of the time, that's going to happen in the context of church. I say invite you to church, but really church is like a little shortcut word to say invite you into like the transformative power of a savior who loves you and God loves us. Have you seen the movie Encanto? Yes? No? I've seen the movie recently, Spoilers. very recently. Spoilers. I watched it yesterday. Spoilers coming. I didn't watch it with my kids because when I cry during movies, they make fun of me. And, or like they watch me cry, which like really ruins the vibe. Um, so I didn't watch it with them and then I watched it alone later and, um, and it's, it's just so, it's like a magical family. They all have these special gifts and it's very emotional and the main takeaway at the end, I won't tell you how they get to the end so you can still enjoy it. But the main takeaway is that the things that you have to offer in this world, um, are, that's wonderful, but you don't have to perform to be loved. You don't have to earn love by being strong or beautiful or making things beautiful or by healing people or feeding people or being able to hear anything. Her gift was weird, but um, you don't you don't have to perform and, and you don't have to perform for God. 
And I think that movie, like, I've been reading, like, on Facebook, a lot of my friends have been posting about it. I've seen, like, a whole bunch of people really powerfully impacted by, like, this song or that song. And I think it's really resonating. And I think one of the reasons why is because having come out of a pandemic and just the just the sign of the times, like, we've been preaching a lot about deconstruction. A lot of things have been deconstructed, right? Faith is getting deconstructed, sometimes in a good way. A lot of our institutions are being deconstructed. We're looking with a more critical eye at Hollywood because of Me Too. We're looking with a more critical eye at our justice system because of Black Lives Matter. These are good things. But we haven't built up like the replacement, you know? Like we haven't fixed the things totally. And so we live in a world with people who are feeling alone and lonely. And I mean, yeah, we're not we're not trapped in the old traditional institution, but we've also lost some of the support from the traditional institution. And Jesus is the one who we need right now. I mean, always, but especially now. We're coming out of a pandemic and we might be heading into war. And I think that understanding that there is someone who is stronger than you and smarter than you and more powerful than you and can see the future and he knows everything about you he loves you and he's written your name on his hand and he's spilled his blood for you and he's done everything that he can to be close to you so that you can know your value and you can experience the life that he intended for you but that has been corrupted by the world that we live in and how will we find them so it's October, and I like to, like, prepare. So I had this whole plan, guys. Like, my fantasy all growing up was, like, oh, I should, like, learn a language secretly and then just, like, be fluent one day. Or I should, like, learn an instrument, but, like, in secret. Nobody will hear me, like, practice or make mistakes, and I'll just, like, do it one day. Like, I'll just, like, sit down to the flute and play with the orchestra. And won't that be incredible? Everybody will be shocked and amazed. And that's my dream is, like, total competence and mastery. No mistakes, no process. I just want to shock everyone with how amazing I am at a thing, my secret talents. And I plan that for today. To, to, your, to your credit, you often <laughs> pull that off. I'm just no, you just don't notice things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just oblivious. <laughs> um, so I wanted to do that today. In October, I was like, I'm going to invite a bunch of people. And then when we, Lent comes around, Scott told me we're just, we're gonna, I'm going to be able to say, like, Ricardo's here because I invited him. And, 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 and Lucy is the only name I can think of right now because if I love Lucy, she's, she's here because she got invited. And look how their lives have changed and everything's different. And so you should invite people to church. And um, what has resulted instead was over the last five months, every trip to the grocery store has been agony because I've been desperate to invite people to church and I haven't done it at all. And uh, I really came around on the six-pack thing because having a conversation, being able to shift a conversation with a stranger from, uh, I would like paper bags, please, to, hey, the people that I go to church with are really great and the God that we serve really loves you. So you could come and you should come. And if I could just hold this out instead, boy, that seems like that would have made things easier. You know, it's not digital or techie. It's a piece of paper. Um, I do have a couple of alternatives for people who are really like, oh, I can't go there. Like, nice word, Kara. I'm sure it was for the whole rest of the church and not for me. Um, here's, here's, my, here's the alternatives, okay? One is... Um, if you need like something a little easier even than that, like a stranger or grocery store, um, I would say uh, God is telling you, he's speaking through me now to go out to eat six times during Lent. Take your wife out, take your husband out, go eat at a place with a waiter or a waitress, with a server. 
Do it on Sunday if you like. Yeah, God's talking to you, buddy. And uh, <laughs> and I like Indian food. And um, and instead of talking to someone at all, just give a big tip. Don't be miserly. We have to be generous. Give a big tip. Uh, can I preach on this for a second? As a restaurant server, as somebody who worked in a restaurant for years, the people who leave a invite to church instead of a tip. It's a lie about Jesus. There's a there's a circle in hell for you. Okay, <laughs> I'm just like, don't. Blaspheme that way. <laughs> Repent. Okay, sorry. Leave a big tip if you're going to do this. All big right? tip. That's it. Big tip. It's not a replacement for the tip, even though we know this is far more valuable, our community, than a few dollars. But no, big tip, big tip. And, and just leave it and then run away. No, you don't have to talk to anybody. If you feel really shy, no problem. You just set that down and you bolt. And, God, and then it's up to God. And then God can do whatever God wants to do. Um, so there's that. The other, the other one that I want to say is I do think that some of us are like really do value authenticity. Like I think that's a good thing. I love that about our church. And I think some people are like, oh my gosh, like this is so corporate. I would never, I could never, I would be ashamed to pass a card with the name of our church on. Okay, fine. Totally fine. That's fine. So instead of thinking these as invites that you're going to hand out, I just dropped it. Instead of thinking of these as invites you're going to hand out, think of them as counters. Like one, two, three, four, five, six, and have your with your amazing social skills and your level of caring and compassion and the interest, just like lavish love on a person, invite them to church on Sunday, and then go home and do this. It's allowed. Just rip it in half and throw it in the trash, and you can say one down, five more to go. The corporate fast that we're inviting everyone into is to fast from not inviting people to church. And we want to do that over Lent. When we've got easy ways to do it, for some of you who are more advanced, like lead us in this and invite people to church. But when we're inviting people to church, it's not to build our church. It's not to grow ourselves. It's not to celebrate ourselves. It's because this is the place where they're going to meet Jesus. And he knows everything that's ever happened to them. And he can make it all better. And don't we love the people that we love? Don't we want them to experience the relief and the freedom and the healing that comes from Christ. Don't we want them to know that their gifts are not the equivalent of their value, and that if they never did another thing for the rest of their lives, that there's someone who thinks about them all the time and desperately yearns to be in community with them. And his name is Jesus, and we want them to meet him. So with that, would you stand? The band's going to come, and we're going to have time for prayer today. And I don't know what you need to get prayer for. (laughs) I don't know if you need to get prayer about hating the six-pack joke and um, God, how can I love my church when they come up with these silly things? Or if there's somebody that you can think of who's on your heart all of a sudden, I think God might be doing that actually to a few of us, that maybe there's somebody that you're thinking, gosh, I really wish so-and-so would come to church and I'm terrified of inviting them, but boy, I know their life would be changed. Um, and then for some of us, I think maybe need to come up to get prayer just because like fasting and Lent and where am I at with God? Like there's just so much room up here for any kind of a problem that we have. So, um, if you would, if you want prayer, come up and someone will put their hand on your shoulder and they'll ask how they can pray for you and they'll do all the hard work and you just get to receive. 
Um, another thing that I'd really love to do is, for some of us, you've been like, oh, Kara, I'm here for it. Like, you're acting like you're so worried we don't want to invite people to church, but like, yes, give me the six-pack, give me the card, I know what I'm going to do, grocery stores and, and, and servers and everybody that I come in contact with and you're like here for it. If that's like bubbling up in you and you're excited about it, I want to deputize you to just like look around the room and see if there's somebody you want to pray for and just go pray for them. If you absolutely do not want somebody to pray for you, like if they look at you and God says, pray for that person and you're like, nope, I don't want to do it. Consent still matters. So you could just sit down during this last song. If you're like, I'm not going to go up and get prayer and I'm not willing to receive prayer. I just need to be alone right now in my thoughts. That's fine. Just sit during worship. So that'll be our nonverbal cue of like, please do not take initiative and come pray for me. Otherwise, Let's sing, come up and get prayer, look for somebody you can pray for, and let's just pour out our hearts to God who wants to make our community shine like the morning dawn and have our light rise in the noonday. So let me pray really fast for us. God, would you come? Thank you for the word that you've given me. I know that I have not communicated this as well as what I feel on the inside, and so I just ask that you would... Put it in all of our hearts how much you love this city and the people that we're all connected to, and that you've given us a ticket into the lives of the people that we interact with every day, and that you want us to use that ticket so that we can invite them closer to you. So God, I just ask that you would make us bold and that you would empower us and that you'd fill us with compassion and that you'd be close and change us. We ask for all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.